0: Nachiomi for the Orthodox Union, Sefer Yehoshua, the Book of Joshua, Perak Yedzayin, Chapter 17, Rabbi Bini Marilis. In today's chapter, we continue our discussion of the encampment, or the, the province where the children of, of Yosef existed. And here we hear the discussion of the tribe of manasseh Here's the story of the children of Menashe. He was the Bechor of Yosef. What's the significance of that? Machir, who was the eldest of Menashe, he also was apparently the strongest of the children of Menashe, he took his portion in the land on the... Eastern side of the Yardin, which we know as the Bashan, that large swath of land, that large area, that territory, that became hid. The remaining families of uh, Menasha will be on the western side of the Yardin. V'hi lev'nei menasha and osarim, the leftovers, children, le'mishpachosam, lev'nei aviezer, lev'nei chilek, lev'nei asriel, lev'nei shechem, lev'nei cheifer, lev'nei shmida, e'lev'nei menasha ben yosef, ha'zicharim le'mishpachosam. We talk about the different families in the tribe. So we had Machir, and now we have these uh, six that exist as the children of Menachu who are to inherit in the land in Eretz Israel. And now, also, very importantly, this famous story of the Vidos Slovchan and it reappears here. Vilit bin 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 Machib bin lo did not have sons, but rather daughters these are his five very famous daughters from the story in the Torah we'll see now that they survive that they live on that they make it into Eretz Israel amongst the group and now they're coming to claim their territory remember the story their father had passed away and they came to claim or question whether or not their father would lose his piece of property in the land by virtue of the fact that he didn't have sons. Moshe goes to speak to a Kodesh Baruch Hu and a Kodesh Baruch Hu says, No, in fact, daughters can inherit. And here again, we see their story uh, returning. And significant, we'll learn a little bit of a lesson, a very important lesson perhaps, um, from them in a moment. Batikravna in verse Dalid, Batikravna bin Nun, they come to the location. They come to Elazar Hakohen though They come to Yoshua, They come to the tribal leaders. They come to the Nesiim, the presidents, the princes, the leaders of the tribes. Nesiim follows. God commanded Moshe to give us an inheritance amongst our brothers. And then it's given to them. The way it ultimately gets split up, which is we're about to hear in a a moment, is that they will inherit in the same manner that their father would have inherited, and they inherit their peace, their father's peace, and it becomes split amongst them. Essentially then what we will have is ten pieces or ten families that are split up from the tribe of Menashe. But what's the significance of the story of telling us again. Like Simba could have told us one verse that uh, the children, the daughters of Tzlovcha, got their property. Why the uh, sort of hint at the elongated story. Says it also from very interesting as follows. Perhaps there's a specific intent in their writing. adam that on occasions and at times, a person has to stand up and remind others of his worth and all that he deserves to get and all that's coming to him. So that it should not be forgotten, and that's exactly what Kalev did. So we hear from this, possibly, a stamping of what Kalev had done uh, in the previous chapter. And Kalev came across before and talked about wanting his peace wanting his Chevron. so now we have the daughters of Slochat coming and wanting theirs not leaving it up to chance not leaving it up to the reminder but once it came to discussion there before about Yehuda and now about Menashe ah, that's us let's go make sure we get our piece of the pie let's make sure we get what's rightfully ours let's make sure that the commandments of God are in fact fulfilled and that's a significant point these little vignettes about the children of Tslovkad and Kalib ben Yifuneh and his daughter are to remind us and to continue to make the point about the fulfilment of the obligations and the and, and, and the promises of a Baruch Hu in the Torah and the promises of Moshe in the Torah. Continuity of the promise, fulfillment of the term, fulfilment of the claim made, and it's significant to keep connecting stories here in Yoshua with the stories in the Torah. There's no breaks, there's no separations, there's no interruptions. They're not unrelated, they're not unconnected. In fact, it's the flow one right into the other. This is the direct continuation of the Torah. And this is the fulfillment of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised throughout the Torah, in its day, in its prime, happening. And when we talk about these different people, we talk about people who made it into Eretz Yisrael and those that didn't make it into Eretz Yisrael. We talk about Kalev. We talk about the other Meragam who didn't make it. The significance in that factor. We talk about the Amamim, the different nations in the land who survive or don't survive, who are destroyed, who aren't destroyed. We remind ourselves about Sihon and Og. We remind ourselves about the relationships with Edom and Moab and Ammon. This is all... What is running through the Torah into Nevi'im, and it comes out in these little vignettes, in these little stories about Kalev, and here in Tupsukim, the daughters of Slovchat. Verse 5. Aside from the piece of property on the other side of the Yardain, in the Area of the Bashan, the Gilad, which belonged to Machir. Here we have essentially ten Chavalim, ten lines, ten groups, ten families uh, in Menashe that will inherit. So here, those who were on the Gilad side of the Nosarim before, those who were on the Israel side of the, uh, the Yardin are called the Nosarim. The Mabim explains the simple difference Is the, sort of the perspective of Within what w- within the way one looks at it Since the children of uh, Machir Got a very large piece of property And they're the only family that gets that piece of property there, There's a chashivos There's an importance that applies to them And then the rest of the families Get their property where they get it Mitzah Hasheni The majority of the family Is in Eretz Yisrael property In territory And they outnumber the other side so they're considered the majority. They're considered the, chashiv, the, the Chashuvim. And Machir, on the other side, would be considered a nosar, or a leftover, uh, uh, quote-unquote, in a certain sense, an afterthought. And now we get to the Gvulos. And the borders of menashe are from Asher. Ha'mich mitas. Asher shechem. So we can explain it the following way, perhaps for simplicity's sake. That Menashe borders on Asher, in a specific location that, in the modern world, would be called in the areas just south of the Carmel and Haifa. At the same time, it also borders on Ephraim, and that would be Michmats, which was the city we mentioned in the previous chapter that belonged to Ephraim near and near Shechem. Shechem is in in fact in Menasha but Mechmetas is on the side of Ephraim and they are sort of running uh, parallel to each other at a distance from each other and then the border itself runs um, to the to the right literally runs to the east so, an area is called Tapuach. Tapuach itself, the city was in Ephraim, but the land around Tapuach, as the next verse will tell us, actually belonged to Tapuach, The lands of Tapuach. But Tapuach, Ephraim. And Tapuach, in that area, is a border town between Ephraim and Menashe This is now working the southern border of Menashe, which is the northern border of Ephraim. This is verse 9. And then the border runs down also in the other direction, Negba, towards Nachal Kana. Nachal Kana, we saw, is the northern border for Ephraim, is the southern border for Menashe, out to the west, near the Yamhagadod, near the Mediterranean. And in that vicinity is where you have cities that crossed. Um, borders. You had Ephraim cities in the areas of Menashe, as we mentioned in the previous chapter. And the border of Menashe to the north of the river of Cana uh, is the border, and and it results in the sea. In the same way that the border of, Men- of Ephraim to the west is the sea, the border of Menashe to the west is the sea as well. Negbal Ephraim with Safon Lemenasha, Gvulo, south for uh, Ephraim and Safona Lemenasha. Vahihaha Yam Gvulo, in each case, the Yam is the border. Uva Asher Yivka un mitzaphon, Uva Yisachaha mi Mizrach, it's a place in a specific location. We have Asher to the northwest of Menasha, and we have Yisachar to the northeast of, um, to the north and northeast of Minasha. And Zvulun will be right between Asher and Yisachar. What you have also now is the same thing we mentioned before is, and where we had cities of Ephraim in Menasha. Here we have cities of Menasha in Yisachar and in Asher. You have the Beit Shan, the Beit Shan area, and its surroundings. Beit Shan is. In the, to the, just to the north, uh, sorry, just to the west of the Yardane, um, on the border of Yisachar and the border of Menashe. So it's the southern border of Yisachar and the northern border of Menashe. And in the areas as mentioned as well, with respect to, uh, Asher, similar fashion. Megiddo area, the Megiddo area is to the south, um, east of, uh, Asher and is very north in the areas in the plains of Menashe. In verse Yud Beis, we get a little bit of history, a little bit of story. That the Menashe could not, could not, it appears the way the language is written, could not inherit or take the properties from the Kenanim, and the Kenanim remained. The Da'at Sofram offers the possibility that maybe they had no interest, that they, they, they liked it that way, that they did not view them as a threat, and by virtue of not viewing them as a threat, they let them stay. Dangerous. We'll read the uh, Da'at Sofram inside in one moment. So it seems even when they were strong enough, they became stronger, they became powerful, they had the ability to do that. Instead of chasing them out to removing them, they put them to tax. And, but they don't take it. They don't take the property. Now, why not? And he says as follows. The Das Ophim says, very possibly they simply were not able to. But he says, perhaps they can explain as follows. They had no interest. They had no desire to. They viewed no danger, no threat. In their existence Not in a physical sense Because no one was willing to fight the Jews right now And not in a spiritual sense Because there's no way the Kanani would be so arrogant So spiteful to continue in their way Doing what they were doing Now living under the control of the Jewish people However, we're, 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 we'll, we'll find out, as we mentioned, it becomes very dangerous. They just want to be more greater tzaddikim than the Torah required of them. Their goodness turned out to their, to their detriment. By allowing them to stay, it ultimately hurts them. The chapter ends up with a very interesting little story with a back and forth between Yoshua and the tribe itself with respect to a complaint that there's not enough space and there's not enough cities and not enough land for all the people of Menasheh. The children of Yosef speak to Yoshua and they say as follows. Why do I get one Gora? We're such a large number of people. We're two tribes. So many people. Why do we get one gorah? Why is that the case? I'm very large. There many, many people. Adasher adko berchani Adunai. We are much larger than we were before. Rashi explains that we are much larger than we were before. That the tribes have grown. So when we talked earlier about this notion, here's your exact situation. You have the tribes increasing in number and population beyond where they were previously, population growth. And now their property... Which was established for them essentially earlier, is not large enough. So Yeshua says something to them very practical. Listen, we can't enhance your nachla. We can't make it bigger. What are we going to do? But I have an eitzah. I have an idea for you. Yeshua is a little bit of a prospector. He's a little bit of a real estate, uh, um, individual here. He has an eye. Imam <speaking in> ravata <Hebrew> If you're so large, you're a very strong group of people, go into the forest and knock it down. And create literally the word, almost, right? Bria, Bria Chadasha, new creation. Create for yourselves the space and the property that you need. Haraphraim is before you. Take it. Practical solution. Isn't this enough? Test Yosef, loyematsi leno bahahar. Virechu varsa bachola kinani yoshebe ereta aimek ashe lashebebe son of no seah, aimek Yisrael. They say to him, "We can't do it. No way. We can't do it. It's not enough. It's not going to work for us." For two reasons: one, the Datsofim writes, "It's it's not given over for capture. It's not given over for that for 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 that situation. We can't do it." And the second thing is. We don't see it working. We don't see how that's going to solve our problem. It it doesn't seem to make any sense for us. So it won't be for you one. You'll have more. You'll have uh, an enhanced situation. You'll have more. It'll grow. You'll have outgrowth. You'll have uh, enhanced uh, property the mountain will be for you. ki Go and take it. It's yours. Listen to what what we have here. Yeshua says to them, by virtue of the fact, specifically because they have uh, Rechav and Barzah. specifically, because the Canaanim is strong, specifically because they live and they exist where they are, you have to go and you have to take it. You have to go and you have to inherit it. And you have to take it as your own. Stop complaining. If you go and you do it, it'll be yours. If you go and you take it, it'll become yours. If you go and you inherit that property, by virtue of what I'm telling you, it's yours. And you will have enhanced property, large space, and exactly what you need for your people. So ends the Perak here. What's the story there? What's the meser in that story? The thing what Yoshua is of sort of saying to them is, look, HaKadosh Baruch goes really only so far with respect to how much space and how much property is going to give you. You have to work the land. This is new to them. This is a unique situation for them. This is not something that they had done before. This is a new world for the Jewish people. Settling the land, inheriting territories, taking cities, cutting down the trees this is not who they are this is not who they are yet and Yoshua is simply saying to them Chavra there's a voda to do there's work to be done here as much as a Kaddish Baruch Hu is giving us the land and as much as the Kaddish Baruch Hu has taken care of us until this point and as much as a Kaddish Baruch Hu has given us Arim Shaloban he's given us cities that we haven't built nonetheless it's our land we have to work the land we have to take the land. We can't simply complain and rest in our laurels and sit back and wait. We can't simply come and complain to the leadership and ask them for more. The leadership will say, you want more? I'll give you how to do more. I'll, I'll figure out for you how you're going to get more. But you have to go and you have to do it. You have to go and you have to take it. This is the new phase for the Jewish people. This is the new world order, as it were, for the Jewish people and in the land. They're going to have to take the initiative, they're going to have to take it upon themselves, they're going to have to become responsible for the land, responsible for their population in every way, shape, and form. There are too many people, let's go build another city. Let's go cut down a tract of uh, forest. Let's go make something that's uh, not uh, arable or fertile into something that is usable and workable. Something that we can turn into you know, a great and wondrous place for our people and expand our grasp and expand our reach and expand our territory. So as much as that story is specific to its time by virtue of the fact that it's right at the point when Yeshua is giving out the territory, it's timeless. It's another, again, another vignette, another story, another moment, another, another hint from Yeshua as to what's to be and what was and the way it has to be going forward. We continue tomorrow with Peret Yudches, chapter 18.